Hello and welcome to another edition of All In. And I like to start off the program by talking about faith and believing in the Lord and just being all in with the Lord. If you've never tried being all in with the Lord, it's quite an adventure. And in this, on this program, in this segment, we're going to talk about faith. Now, faith is something we talk about a lot. Faith is something that uh, many times people think different things about. They don't understand what it means to live by faith or to have faith. Or what does faith mean? Does that mean what I believe or what church I attend? Or how do I apply it? On the last program, we talked about goal setting and applying faith to goals and applying faith to different uh, aspects of your life. On this program, we're going to focus more on what is faith. And, uh, you know, the Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. In Romans 1.17, it says, For in it the righteous of God righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith so if the just shall live by faith how do you become just how in God's eyes can you become just you can only become just and righteous if you accept by faith what Jesus did to make us righteous Jesus made us righteous. His righteousness becomes our righteousness when we accept what he did. So it's by faith that we accept what Jesus did. So by faith, the just shall live by faith. The only way you can be just in this world is to live by faith, the faith that Jesus did it all for you, for me, for all of us. So if God did it all through Jesus for us, he paid the price. The only way that the ju- you can become in the column of the just is to do it by faith, by faith in God, by faith in Jesus, by faith. Well, my faith says that it's that Jesus died for my sins, paid the price for my situation. So, how do I get faith? How do I... Some people will tell you that they don't know if they could accept what Jesus did for them, or they don't believe it. Somehow they don't believe it, which I never did understand, because it's easy to believe and realize how many mistakes in life we all make, and how much, how many times we actually sin in life through our a time we're born all the way through. So if that is true, that makes us all know that we're not upstanding or righteous. We're not perfect, right? We're imperfect. And you often hear people talk about, I'm only human, which means I'm imperfect. So how do you become perfect in the eyes of God? It's only one way. It's by faith. By faith in what Jesus did on the cross. By faith in the fact that he has redeemed us from the curse that's attached to the breaking of the law. Oh yeah, and by the way, there's a curse attached when you break the law. You may not like it. You may not even choose to want to believe it. But there is a curse attached when you break the law. And to get free of that curse, you have to do it only one way, and that is through Jesus. The Bible tells us that when we judge ourselves, we won't be judged. So I think it's hard for people to accept Jesus because they don't want to judge themselves wrong. They don't want to admit that they're um, sinners. I don't know why, because that's the easiest thing to admit, that we're all sinners. We all fall short. We're all imperfect. And you can blame it on the human race and say, well, we're all just human. 
but really we're unrighteous. That's what it is. Now, a God who is all righteous, all perfect, when we stand in the presence of a righteous God, that imperfection in all of us shows up. So how does God get close to us? How does God say, I favor you and I want to help you? It's through him making you righteous with him. And how do you get there? By faith. It's the only way. By faith. The just shall live by faith. So if you don't get up every day and accept by faith that Jesus died for you, then you have no standing with the Lord. He who can't get close to him, you're at a distance, you hide from him, just like Adam did in the garden. Initially in the Garden of Eden, Adam hid from God. Why did he hide? Because he ate from the forbidden tree. There was one tree. Where do you think that tree was? Everybody says, well, it was in the garden. Well, where do you think that garden is? I say it's inside of each human being, that there's two trees growing in there. Two of them. One is the righteousness of God, the tree of life. And the other one is the tree of good knowledge of good and evil, which Adam was not supposed to eat from, but he started taking information from that tree. So now the trees growing up within us, depending on which one we're eating the fruit from, those trees are causing us to build a garden around us, a garden of life. Some good, some not so good. So the just shall live by faith. That's us. We want to be the just. So how do you get more faith? Romans 10:17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you're not hearing the word of God, or worse, if you're only hearing the word of the world, you will not be living by faith. You can't. It's impossible. The world is filled with unfaithful words, words of condemnation, words of put down, words of hate, words, words, words. That's what the world is filled with. If you turn on the media, you can hear a lot of hate. You can hear a lot of unfaith-filled words, or what's worse, negative faith-filled words, which is bringing bad things on people. So faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. What is the Word of God? The Word of God is from the Bible. The Word of God is the Word that was written down and given to us through the ages, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. That is God's Word. And in there, consistently benefiting each other, the Old and New Testament is every word that you ever need in your life to have success. That's right, success. What did God say in the beginning to Adam? Be fruitful and multiply. Did he say, be sick and and kill yourself working? No. God wants, I wanted Adam to prosper. He wants you to prosper. Be fruitful and multiply. That's what God wants. So, we have to go to God's Word to get His Word and to use faith. In Hebrews 11.6 it says, But without faith it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you have to believe it. Now, some people say, well, I don't, I don't believe any of that stuff. Well, you do believe something. You're either believing that he, that God doesn't exist, or you're believing that God does exist. Now, just think about it. 
Now, let's be, use a little common sense here, okay? Common sense tells me that this body that we all live in, this house that we live in, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing because of all that goes on within the body. You can do an online study of the human body. Just the eyes alone, let alone the smell, your able ability to speak, your ability to touch, to feel, the sensors. Now we understand sensors better than ever. But how many sensors are in the human body? If you were to create a robot today that literally could do all that the human body does, wouldn't you be looked on as some marvel? There are robots being created right now that kind of look and kind of feel like a human. They have AI intelligence in them. They call it artificial intelligence. But God so far surpassed that when he made the human being. Not only with intelligence, but intelligence that can decide and choose right, wrong, good, different, and have a soul. That soul becomes a record of your life. So each one of us has to understand that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And what does it profit someone? James 2.14, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? No. And I'll tell you why. Because if you have faith, you act differently. You act differently. Circumstances happen to everyone in this earth. Things happen. Some good, some not so good. We can say, well, and people used to say, it's because they did something wrong, this thing happened to them. But sin exists all over the world, in the world. All, every disease, every sickness comes from sin in the world. Now, from God, from sin in the world. And it's that sickness or that disease that sometimes people say, well, God did it to somebody. No, God didn't do it. The sickness did it. And it came and originated from original sin and came into the earth through that avenue. It exists in the earth. So sometimes bad things happen to good people, to Christians. And the question is, how do you react? What do you do next? How do you handle the situation? By faith in God or by logically thinking how awful everything is. For those who believe in God, they believe in the fact that Jesus came to die for our sins so that we could live with him eternally in heaven. So when someone prematurely leaves this earth, we are believing by faith, if they're a believer, that they are now in a better place with the Lord. Will they get another body? Absolutely. How will that happen? I don't know all the details, but I do know that inside of us, there's something called a heart. Our heart. It's right in here. And in the heart of man is recorded every little detail about you. Your DNA, your, your every hair on your head, everything you've ever seen, everything you've ever done. And so for God to take that central data piece out of each one of us and to put it into a brand new body that makes it look just like us because of all the DNA and data that's within us in that little heart part, that is so easy for God. So we know that in the future, we will be with our loved ones who are believers. I, I don't know how it works for the non-believer, but I don't want to be that person. I don't want to say, boy, I didn't believe in hell, but boy, I ended up there. I don't want to talk about that. And I want to talk about faith because I believe anyone listening to this 
has an opportunity to reaffirm their faith today. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Okay, so it's impossible to please God apart from faith, and faith without works is dead. So what are the works? Works are reacting to a situation by faith rather than lack of faith. It's operating and believing for things that you want and prayer requests that people hand you or that you're praying for other people, believing. Not that you can do it. See, that's the part that we have to get right. It isn't us that has to do it. It's the Word of God that's going to do it. In God's Word, in God's Word is the ability to solve any problem you have. So that's why you want to go to God's Word, choose God's Word, and apply it to the problem, and speak it over the problem, causing circumstances to change as long as you're believing what you're saying. For the believer, that's his job, to be a believer. To be a believer in God. To be a believer that God's Word will never return void. So faith without works is dead. Can faith save you? Only if you go into action. If you freeze up and say, I have faith, but run from the problem, then it can't save you. It just hangs out with you. But using faith means you will release your faith in that moment of adversity, in that moment or that time frame where there is really a problem. So in James 2.26, it says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So it becomes what's known as dead faith. You might have faith, but it's dead. So what happens if you take your spirit out of the body? Did you ever see anybody walking around without their spirit? No. The body falls to the ground. The body just drops. So the body without the spirit is dead. So is any situation without faith. You can't expect or hope a good outcome. Maybe I'll get lucky, people say. Well, I like... I I don't believe in luck. I believe luck is short for Lucifer. I believe that people who are thinking they're lucky really wish they could be blessed. Because blessed is something you can count on. Luck is something you can't. So we don't want to talk about being lucky. We want to talk about being blessed and using our faith in every circumstance and situation. So without the spirit, the body's dead. Without uh, faith, without works, is also dead. So in Hebrews 11.3, it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were made of things which are visible. When we talk about God creating the universe, I've heard people say, well, he made everything out of nothing. Not so. He made it out of something. Faith, in Hebrews also, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is a substance. It's a thing. As some younger generation people say, is that a thing? Faith is a thing. It's a substance. And when God said, light be, light, and all of what it takes to create light began to come together. And how long did it take before light showed up? 
Well, I don't know the answer to that. But God knew it was coming from the moment he said it. And he used his faith to believe it was going to come. And light began to exist at the rate of 186,000 miles per second. Can you believe that? At the rate of 186,000 miles per second. So when you think about that, when you think about light, when you think about all of the above, you will think and you will know that light and what God did is very, very powerful. Extremely powerful, actually. So as we talk about faith and we move on, Hebrews is loaded with it. And so are so many other places. I want to talk more about it because we we need to understand as believers, we need to activate our faith on a daily basis. In Hebrews 3, 1, it says, The Son was faithful. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. First of all, remembering that the word Christ means anointed one and his anointing. So considering the anointed one and his anointing, Christ Jesus, we are to realize that he is the high priest of our confession. In the King James Version, it says that the life, uh, the, the power of life and death is in the tongue. And it says in Hebrews 11:3, by faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So the things we see today were not made by things that existed visibly. They were made by things that existed invisibly. So that's why it takes faith. And faith, operating your faith, is to see things in your mind, in your imagination, which God gave you, which are not visible yet on this planet. So the way this planet makes things visible is through you and I deciding what it is we want, believing for it, and then over a period of what we call time, it comes to pass. It comes into existence. So things that are visible are made from things that are invisible, but they're still things. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if a person has no evidence in their life of God working powerfully. People walk around and see people that are broke, busted, sick, and disgusted. Is there any evidence of faith at work? No. So as a believer, do you think God wants you to be broke, busted, sick, and disgusted? No. He wants you to be upbeat, cheerful, happy. You say, well, but how can you be, Art, when things happen, or if I have not enough money to live, or whatever it is? I'm telling you that if you trust in the Lord, change your attitude, operate faith, begin to praise and thank Him, and get on that positive side, all things, all things will work together for good for those who trust the Lord. That's how it works. That's exactly how it works. In Deuteronomy uh, 30, verse 19, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. You see, God gave you and I the power to choose. And he's saying, choose life. How do you do that? How do you choose life? Well, say you're having a bad day today. And all those things that you just don't want to happen, happen today. And you're just not feeling well. And you're just down about it. 
and you're talking bad out of your mouth. You're just spewing it out of your mouth and you, you just almost uncontrollably. God doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to choose life. So you've got to capture that imagination that's trying to tell you it's a bad day. You've got to capture it, shut it down and say, no, that's not the case. My God said he will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory through the anointed one, Jesus and his anointing. He said that. That's what I've got to dwell on. Not what I don't have, but what's coming. Things that are invisible, that are going to materialize, that you, the average person, cannot yet see. They're coming. When I stay steadfast in my faith on God's Word. Now, we're going to be taking a break. And before we take the break, I just want to remind each one of us, you're no different than me, and we're all in the same boat here on earth. It's a big Noah's Ark, right? But faith is the substance that we all have to learn to operate. You have to learn, I have to learn. And the more we use our faith, the more we choose life, the more we choose God's way, the more we choose the Word, the more we're able to move forward and have success and watch the blessings come to pass. That's the most important thing, watching the blessings come to pass as God does the work that His Word promised. I've been talking about activating faith. I, I think that if each one of us, when, when each one of us gets that, when we finally get it, that we have a say-so over things, how things happen. But the enemy constantly bombards all of us with how you're not worthy. You're not, uh, God doesn't really want you to have perfect health uh, or wealth or whatever. And it comes down to eternal life. And a lot of Christians believe, well, God definitely wants me to go to heaven, uh, but not maybe you feel guilty about having too much here on the earth or don't need to go after more. <clears throat> so I think it's important to know that God made us in his image and like for a reason. He loves us. And in an act of his love, God's, God wants all good things uh, for us. And you can verify this in Luke chapter 11, 9 through 13. Jesus gave us the gift of being right with God. See, apart from faith, we're not, remember we talked about we're not right with God. So you're unright with God or you're hiding from God because you know you're always messing up. And so you, you can't seem to get in the good graces of God because you uh, don't always live a perfect life. But that is where believing in Jesus changes all that. So Jesus gave us the gift of being right with God. Uh, we can reign in life through the power and authority of Jesus. So we're not reigning in life on our own power, on our own righteousness, but we're reigning on the power and authority of Jesus. And that can be verified in Romans uh, 5.17. We've been reconciled to God. He brought us back to Him so He can now share the good news, or we can now share the good news of reconciliation with others. If you're right with God, why can't you share that with others and tell them, look, God, God's not uh, mad at you. He wants to help you. God isn't doing bad things in this earth. That isn't how it happens. Um, also, uh, you are a new creation. We are brand new. We are a brand new creation. The moment we receive Jesus into our heart, uh, we're right with God. It makes it all right. Remember earlier in the last segment, I talked about the heart, you know, and the little part was in, in our center of our being called a heart. And in there is all the data and all the information about what makes you, you. You 
know, it could be considered even in our terms today, what we know as a little hard drive, only it's so far superior to anything like that. But it contains all the data of who you are and everything that you've done in your life. Everything is recorded on this heart. And, um, Jesus talks a lot about the heart. He wants to change your heart. He wants to change your core operating system, the one that got messed up when you were born into the earth. So we're a new creation when we accept Jesus. It's like a, a brand new boot up. You get rebooted. There's a lot I could say about that, but not enough time on this program. So God loves everyone so much that he's always working to draw us closer to himself. That's the whole point. Sin, sickness, poverty, are not from the hand of God. It's all from Satan's horrible, terrible hatred for the human race. Now, why does he hate the human race? Up until God created man, Lucifer, God's arch archangel Lucifer, the anointed one in heaven, he was anointed. And he was in charge of a lot of things. And then all of a sudden, God makes a man that was far superior to Lucifer. And Lucifer couldn't handle that. So I don't know what happened there. And I don't know how it happened. But I do know that it happened. God is a good God. He has increased you in his level of abundant life. He's done everything to make right what Lucifer stole from Adam. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the second Adam. What Adam lost by making one decision decision to eat from the wrong tree, Jesus got back for us so that we can be reconciled to God by simply eating from the tree of life again through Christ. <clears throat> Before that, you didn't. Adam didn't have to go through Christ. He was connected to the tree of life. <clears throat> but once that happened in the garden, then he was eating from the wrong tree, getting all the information from the wrong source and had to go to work for his food, for everything, experience pain. Up until then, God had arranged for pain not to be a problem for man. He had arranged for man not to have to work. All you had to do was say what you wanted and it would materialize. It would materialize. Yeah, that's how it worked. Then come along the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it so contaminated the simple system God had set up that now it takes time to pass before what you say comes to pass. But it's the same system. It's just that it got contaminated. It's kind of like on your new computer. If you download the wrong software from the wrong group that has bad intentions for your computer, you can lock it up, slow it down. How about your phone? Your phone was working fine and all of a sudden it's working slower and slower. Why? Because of programs that are downloaded which were not made to benefit your speed. They were only made to benefit the person who made the program. It's the same thing, only more sophisticated. Lucifer contaminated God's system, the system that operated almost instantaneously in the earth when man said, I'm hungry, I would like this, and it would materialize. Now he has to work for it. He has to make it. It doesn't materialize because it's contaminated software. God loves everyone, and God is a good God. You were born again in the, of the Spirit of God, and you have God living within you. So once we've accepted Jesus, we are now born again, starting in our heart. However, because of the contamination of the software system, we have to learn all over again. We have to renew our minds with the Word of God. And God had to get that Word into the earth through the Bible, which we call the Manufacturer's Handbook. 
That's right. That's the manufacturer's handbook, and he had to slip it in here. Lucifer was not going to let it in. It cost blood, sweat, and tears to get that word in what's called the Bible today. And yet, I'll bet you there's people that go through their entire life never picking up the Bible and reading it. After everything that God's done to get that in their, in their hands, <clears throat> they just still don't take the time to read it. <clears throat> What the heck? Then on top of all that, Jesus sends G God sends Jesus into the earth to live out the word, to be a demonstration of the model son of how you're supposed to live on earth. And yet people aren't getting that one. So it's complicated, but there's other scriptures to back it up. You can go to Romans 5, 6, Hebrews 13, 8, or John 4 through 8, or I'm sorry, John 4, 8 through 16. Jesus is the gift. That's the most important thing to remember. When you're looking for how to transform your life, Jesus is the gift of God. John 3:16. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. God could have destroyed Lucifer, you know. Could have wiped him out. But if he did so, he would have been had to destroy the entire universe that he created because it was all in the same operating system, which means every life he created would cease to exist. He would have to start all over again. And all the life that was created and angels and all everything was hinging on God having a plan not to have to reboot the entire system and, and to change the entire system, but to be able to fix it or put a patch on it, put a repair in there, so that everything could continue as it is, but only better. And what was the patch? Jesus. Jesus is the patch. Jesus is the fix. Jesus fixes everything. Now it's up to us to use our faith to get back what God promised. So, Jesus is the heavenly gift, and you and I should say we receive him right now. That's right. We receive him right now. Healings and miracles are the church's method of advertising God's gift of Jesus. If you're not receiving healings or miracles in your life, maybe you need to lean harder on the Word of God. Push harder. Be transformed. So that's part of it. Jesus bore all of our sins. He bore and took upon himself the sin of the world. And he is our gift. So God knew you and I couldn't fix the... We couldn't be the patch. We couldn't fix it. Jesus did it all. All we've got to do is take the patch, put it over our heart, and say, Jesus is my Lord. Take the patch. Fix the hole. Because every man and every woman has a hole. They're missing... God. They, they had, Adam had that connection. It was stolen away. And everyone's searching for it. That's why there's so many different religions. That's why there's so many different ways that Satan tried to use to dub, to, to take people on different side trips because we all have a hole seeking the spiritual part. So there's an opportunity for the devil to say, I have a better way. Just like he said to Adam. But we got to get it back through Jesus. So Jesus bore our sins, healing and deliverance from sickness, disease, weakness, pain, grief, sorrow, are also part of God's love, and it's in the Bible. It is in the Bible. It is absolutely contained in God's Word. It is there. You have to read it, find the scriptures, and a place you can find a lot of these scriptures is AnswersByJesus.com. AnswersByJesus.com. You can go to AnswersByJesus.com, and you, there, you'll see a lot of different headings. It'll say different problems or sins. If you click on it, 
it'll bring come down here on the left side. It says, what does God say about this? You click on that, and up will come all the scriptures relating to that situation. Now, uh, on that website, they're not all live links, but there's a lot of them that are live links. And you can click on the live link, and it will take you directly to the scripture online, and you can read it online. So if you're not someone who's checked it out lately, you should really check it out, because God's Word never returns void, but you got to get His Word to know what it is. So, Jesus is our gift. God laid the punishment for the curse on Jesus. He put it all on him. As far as God's concerned, our forgiveness and our healing is totally complete. From God's perspective, it's totally complete. He doesn't have to do anything else, but we do. We have to call on him. He sat down after he did it all through Jesus, and Jesus is seated at his right hand. It's done. He defeated Satan. Why does Satan still have control over the earth? He only has control to the degree that you don't know that it was taken back. You've got to take it back. He's not going to give it to you. He's not giving up without a fight. you got to take it back from him. you got to just grab it from him right out of his hand and say, get out of here. You've got no authority over me. None. So healing belongs to us. If we're healed, then we are healed now, right now. And in Hebrews, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What kind of faith? Now faith, right now. Now faith, faith can only be now. If you're not uh, using faith right now, like in a now presence, it's not really faith. I'll get to it tomorrow. No, you won't. No, you won't. It's now. It's either now or you're not using it. So now faith. A person can be healed even if he or she is not received. Can a person be healed even if they haven't received Jesus? Yes. They can just be healed because someone else prayed for them. However, you don't want that sickness coming back and you want someone to help you at that point to get the word of God in so it stays that way. It's time for us to unwrap the healing gift. That's what we have to do. We have to become aware of the fact that we are healed, that there's no strings attached. God's not waiting for you to be perfect to heal you. You're healed because of what he did. In Isaiah 53, by his stripes we are healed. And that's an important scripture to remember. Faith calls things that do not exist as though they already do. That's Romans 4, 16 through 18. We're calling things that don't exist like they like they do exist. And we're going to be thanking God that they do exist. We're going to praise Him. We're going to believe the Scripture with your words, worship, and we're going to thank God for healing whenever we can. So with our words, we're going to thank Him. We're already healed. With everything that we do, we're going to worship and thank God. That's why we talked about in the last week, when you set your goals, put a date and a time, you don't have to keep setting the same goal. His goal, the goal is set. And I mean, once you pray over it, it's done. All we have to do is thank Him for it. Thank Him, thank Him. Say, but Art, I don't see it yet. We're calling things that are not as though they are until they become visible. Well, Art, when will they become visible? When they become visible. That's when they'll become visible. And we are not to back off. We're not to stop. We're to take what God's promised in His Word and keep thanking Him for it. 
God promises blessings to all who believe. In Deuteronomy 28, 1, 15 through 27, verses 15 through 27, you can go there and look it up. God promised to bless all of us through Abraham. And in Galatians 3, uh, 5 through 9, uh, he blesses all of our us and our children. That's what it's about. You need to read the scripture. Until you put your eyes on it, I don't think you really get this. I think it's just another person, me, telling you what's in there. I think you need to go put your eyes on it. We're all a child of Abraham because we believe like Abraham believed, by faith. That's what God promised in his word, that by faith we are healed. By faith we are redeemed. By faith we are made whole. Therefore the blessings are here for you and I. But if we don't take them, if we don't know that, well, Satan keeps coming to steal. You know, you go look a scripture up and you'll find that the minute you start repeating a new scripture or something out loud, immediately maybe you get attacked mentally. Uh, Satan comes immediately in Mark 4.11. Mark 4.11. The sower sows the word and Satan comes immediately to steal the word that was sown because he knows that if he lets you continue to say that word and believe it, it's going to come to pass. That's how it works. So he has to stop you from saying it with confidence. He has to stop you from saying it out loud as quickly as possible because the quicker he can get you to stop it or get you diverted to another thing or get your mind off it, the quicker he can steal everything from you on this planet. Don't ask me why. He continually beats up on everybody, but I'll tell you, he hates us because we're made in the image and likeness of God. He That's what all his demons working for him do. They work for him to, to help destroy the good works that God wants to put in everyone's life. So, in getting close to the end of this, God loves everyone so much that he's always working to draw people to himself. He's always working to get us closer. He's always working to help us learn to receive his great gift, the gift of life, the gift of healing, the gift that he has given us through Christ Jesus. So what are we going to do? Are we going to allow the way we feel and our imagination when we wake up not feeling so hot to be stolen from us? Are we going to fight back? Are you going to become a full-fledged soldier in the army of God? That's what he calls us to be. Putting on the full armor of God. In, in Philippians, talk, talks about that. Philippians, oh no, I'm sorry, Ephesians. Ephesians 3. Putting on the full armor of God. And so putting on the full armor of God, we first put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's what it tells us to do. What does that mean? It means you're putting on an imaginary breastplate that was worn by Jesus. It's Jesus' righteousness. Now you're righteous in front of God, girding our waist or our loins with the gospel of truth. So we take the scripture. And I like to take three scriptures for every situation. Gird our loins with it, with those three scriptures. On our feet, we put the boots, which are the preparation of the gospel of peace. Wherever we go, we're bringing peace, not war, right? And we take the helmet of salvation and put it on. The helmet of salvation. That means Satan cannot tell you you're going to hell. He can't make you feel worthless because you know you're saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. So the helmet of salvation and then the shield of faith. That means we've got to use our faith just like we're talking about every day. We take the shield of faith so that when a thought comes or a situation occurs, we can quench 
every fiery dart that the wicked one tries to bring against us. That's what we're going to do. Quench it. Now, we've protected our chest. We've protected our waist. We've protected our feet. We've protected our head. Protected ourselves with the shield. But we have not yet gone on the aggressive. When we take out the sword, which is the word of God, now we are more than conquerors. Because now we're speaking, no weapon formed against me will prosper. For my righteousness is of the Lord. But whatever I do will prosper. For I am I, I'm like a tree. I am like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. Jesus, God's word, is living water. Satan and the bad stuff, dead water. Stay away from it. Don't drink it. Don't drink from that fountain. So until we take the sword, God's word, in Psalm 91, a thousand might fall at my side, ten thousand at my right, but it shall not come near me. Only with my eyes shall I look and see the reward of the wicked, for I have made the Lord God even the Most High my habitation. Right? Therefore no evil will befall me, neither shall any plague come near me. For God's given his angels charge over me. And in my pathway there's life. There is no death. Go read Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is very, very powerful. But until you take the sword out, until you take the word out and use it into the earth, speak it into the earth, believe it into the earth, all you're doing is dodging bullets. You're not really fighting back. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I'm suggesting that take out your sword every day. Speak out loud God's Word over your goals. Last week we talked about goals. Laying out those goals, so important. Writing down three scriptures for each one. Now, speaking God's Word over it, and then thanking Him and praising Him for them being accomplished every day. Every day. Maybe three times a day. As often as you can. Or, as often as you get a thought that says, that'll never happen. Because that's the enemy. That's Lucifer telling you, I want to steal that out of there before you get any roots. Because he knows that if you continue to speak and believe, there's nothing that can stop it. God created this earth to, to, to grow things. There's nothing that can stop the Word of God from going forth and changing circumstances. There's nothing that can stop the love of God from loving you and I. There's nothing, no weapon, none, no evil will befall us. Neither shall any plague come near our dwelling. For God has given his angels charge over us, that they should bear us up in their hands, lest we dash our foot against a stone. We shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent we will trample underfoot. It's all in Psalm 91. So, in wrapping this up, I want to suggest that each one of us take the time to make sure we know what we're praying for. Make it clear. Maybe you even want to get a vision board. What is a vision board? It's simply a place where you can put pictures of people and things that you're praying for so that when you walk by them, you can put your hand on it and you can say, I believe and I receive. Because you've already written it down. You've already applied the scriptures. You've already agreed it's going to happen. I believe and I receive. And Satan, you have no right to tell me any different. Get out of my life. Get away from me. Get away from my family. Get away in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. So remember, Jesus is the key. God's word is the sword. Put on the full armor of God. Have your goals written out. 
activate your faith and know that God loves you more than anything you can possibly imagine. He so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, to come here so that you and I could hear the message that says, have life, have it more abundantly. Thanks for joining us on the program. It's called All In. All In for faith, all in for the Lord. We'll see you next week on All In.